Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Tyler, the one co-host of the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. First of all, thank you for joining us for 100 episodes. It was uh, a journey that we never thought we'd get to. Uh, starting in Georgia's attic, I never thought I'd show up 100 straight times, but look, here we are. Um, there's been a lot of ups and downs, uh, some hangovers, and uh, some drunk wall on airs. And thanks for sticking with us. This 100th episode was uh, recorded live. Some of you were there. Most of you were not. But nevertheless, I hope you enjoy it. The audio is a little shaky. It was, uh, it, it was recorded live at the Camera Museum. We had uh, an awesome guest. I hope you really enjoy it. And uh, check us out on the TV show coming to Service Electric on February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. Cancel your plans. Cancel your date night. Leave your spouse. Divorce them. Get them out of your life. You don't need them anymore. They don't make you a better person. Okay? I'm just kidding. Stay with them, but maybe find somebody on the side. Anyway, enjoy the 100th episode. We love you. And we'll see you on television. Bye. Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, and sometimes Mills. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love Podcast. of Historic Bethlehem Museums and Sites. Thank you to everybody who came. Uh, this is being presented as part of a larger programming series called Design After Dark, uh, which is our after hours programming series um, here and at a bunch of different sites. Um, over the past year, um, this has been our inaugural year, we've had a retro arcade, we have had um, some art evenings and galleries, or some bar crawls, um, and we're really excited to end it with a live podcast evening with George and Tyler and Ivy. Um, in the new year, we will be having some more events, uh, a comedy show at the mill, not with Tyler, um, <laughs> and uh, we're going on the road uh, as well. He's not coming back. You can't bring anybody here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. I you're gonna be in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, yeah, he's ditching us for warmer weather. Um, just saying that. And then we're we'll be going to America on Wheels, where we do have 150 more of Eileen's bags. Um, so kind of taking the program on the road. Uh, so again, thank you so much for coming, and we'll leave it to you guys. Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. And sometimes Emmaus. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. We were gonna do the. Uh, oh, sorry. We were gonna do theme music, but nobody's phones have headphone jacks anymore. So yeah, we've out uh, technology ourselves from our own theme music. Officially old. So I want to thank everybody. This is awkward. I want to thank everybody for coming out to our hundredth episode. As weird as it is that we actually got to 100 episodes, it still means a lot. Yeah, thank you guys for coming. Uh, if you're, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. See where people are. Um, yeah, this, this is going to be a special little episode. We have a obviously a special guest for tonight, and we're gonna. We've never had a guest where the thing we're talking about is also a thing that is behind us That's in the neat. thing. So yeah. And, well, let's, let's just give it a, let's, let's bring on our guest. Um, go ahead, George. Sure. I want to welcome on Eileen Hochberg Wood, who is yes. the, yes. everybody goes crazy in the building. You know what? You guys did better than if this was a full room, so I thank you for that. That was great. It is a yeah. full room. It's a full room. <laughs> it feels full it's now. It's a full room. Like, if you guys hang about it, this is a good, it's going to be fun. <laughs> We're barely able to, there's so many people here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, but when we first kind of were thinking about this doing the 100th episode, and we were able, we we're so thankful to be able to do it here at the Kemmerer Museum of Decorative Arts, and we thought it was perfect to have Eileen because we know nothing about purses. Or museums, that's one. Or we don't know how to say the word museum. <laughs> or spell it. <laughs> spell museum right now. M-U-S-E-U-M. I would've went the other way. I would've, I would've, I would've gone uh, U-E, but that's why I'm here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, we also want to thank Cave 
brew it. I brew it. Oh, get the salsa beer. Wow. That's, uh... We're actually going to get into it. And like I said, the, the interesting thing, at least for me, like when people when people have said, you know, oh, what is it with the purse thing? And, and why would somebody, like we put it up here, we're, we're having you on. And some, somebody commented on Facebook, why would she do that? Why is she collecting these things? And I think some people look at it as, you know, my, my wife has one million bags that she's not necessarily collecting for art. They're just there. But yours I'm are making her look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got nothing. You now complain about how many bags. Say, but Eileen has three. <laughs> like, oh, yes. So, like, where did this start? Can you kind of bring us to the beginning of? Did you see a purse and you're like, you know what? I want three thousand. <laughs> it didn't quite that simply, but it started when I was a young person. I was in school. I was probably around nine years old, and my mother brought home two purses for me and said, pick one and tell me why. Now, my mother was very beautiful, very fashionable, and so the pressure was on. I looked at the two purses. One was brown vinyl, looked like every purse that every one of my friends were carrying. The other purse was red leather. And but you were not... I was like, so all your friends are carrying around? Yeah, right. These are, where did you guys have in these like purses? How much cash money? No cash money. It was probably like a pencil or something. But uh, no, no cigarettes. <laughs> we were little kids. But in any case, I looked at the red purse. It had an industrial zipper and it had you know brass buckles on it and just was really cool. So I picked the red one. And she said, why'd you pick the red? And I said, I picked the red because it's different than everyone else has. And it's made out of leather, so it's kind of real. And it just, it would go with everything. It's really fun. And she said, you passed the test. <laughs> so after that, I was just kind of interested in fashion, interested in purses. So was your mom, like, was she someone who was like a, a fashionista or, or that type of? Well, a fashionista for our neighborhood. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, on a world scale. <laughs> But, you know, fashionista among all the other mommies, perhaps. But, um, no, so I went to college and I studied for fashion and I went to New York and took a job originally in retail and I was a, first a fashion coordinator for juniors, then a fashion director, and then a visual director. And while I was living in New York in fashion, I had access to a lot of sample sales, a lot of friends were designers, so I had an opportunity to buy a lot of beautiful things very inexpensively. And at the beginning of this journey, I was just buying purses that I wanted to wear, things that were cute, things that would kind of punch up my outfit, and that was really the directive. But I began to read up on them. There was a lot of books about fashion history, and I began to realize that purses weren't simply, you know, at, at its very simplest, you can say a purse is a means of conveyance for everything a woman feels she needs during the day. So you can carry a brown paper bag and accomplish mm -hmm. that. So why do women want purses? That's probably what I would have. If I was, <laughs> if I'll have a brown paper I'll have bag. A wallet, so that's one bag. Yeah, yeah, you can have, 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 have pockets. Yeah. I mean, there are other ways of conveying your stuff. And why do women pick purses? And I began to really think about this. And I realized that purses provide what I call a coded message. It's a way that women talk to other people and tell them what's important to them or what sort of person they are based upon the look that they're trying to convey. And a purse also isn't necessarily who you are. It's who you want people to see you as being. Oh. So, uh-huh. So this turned into like a psychology it, it, class. It makes a lot of sense. Psychology of persons. There's psychology, there's also history, anthropology, sociology, women's studies, because purses change with the needs of the people that carry them. So in other words, at a very early time, if you look behind us, there are some teeny weeny little purses. And those purses were often carried by the women in the purses. 1920s, flappers, and they traveled pretty late. You know, they may have stuck in a compact, a key, some mad money, and off they went. What's mad money? Mad money is in case your boyfriend had a fight with you and you had to get home on your own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like PayPal. <laughs> I'd be giving a lot of mad money. I've never heard that to this one. Yeah. Not as a the 1920s. Well, there's no room in for the iPhone in those little exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, 
like in the 1970s when women went into the workforce in big numbers, they were walking to work in big cities. They needed to carry their high heel shoes because they were wearing sneakers. Yeah. They needed to carry their paperwork, maybe their lunch. Extra and, mad money, probably. Mad money. <laughs> they were making their own mad yeah, money. Yeah. So, uh, but so the purses got a lot larger during that time frame. So if you look at purses, you get to kind of correlate the size and the shape and the materials of the purse to the culture that was around them. Do different cult like. So our experience in the United States uh, was different countries have different styles. Can you tell where, like, the origin of a purse from where it came from, or, or a specific designer without seeing the name of it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. You I do. guess that's probably a dumb question. You probably have the eye for it's it. It's not a dumb question. Basically, there are a number of people who are top designers, mm -hmm. and designers deliberately try to create something within what they call their signature look and they deliberately try to do permutations or adaptations of things they've done before. Mm -hmm. So there's a common thread. There's like a DNA to every designer. And when you look, for instance, if you look behind us, you'll see, for instance, those quilted purses at the back yeah. corner. Those are Chanel. And Chanel was known for quilting leather. So there'll be all kinds of different versions of that quilting. But when you see that quilting, it's either Chanel or someone who's knocking off Chanel. When we were talking about this, and like we were telling people, like you, you have to kind of see it to believe it. So we're showing them. When we brought up this to almost any woman who I showed this purse to, what did they do? They knew immediately what it was. They also like, kind of did. But well, George showed that. that to Crystal, and she thought that was a Christmas present. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to give it off. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unless you, have, sure. unless you have an update. I, I, I can come to you It's a lot of magic. Yeah, right? We're going to have to put yeah, that. Uh, but no, it's, it's interesting that even, because it is a, it's a cultural thing, that there were so many women who just immediately knew, like, this is the top type of bag, and they, and like, they, they had, tell you stories. They, or they like, tell you how sure. they know this? It's crazy. There's a simple one name that will, I will utter, and that is the person that made everyone aware of that purse. And the simple name is Kim Kardashian. Oh, see, I was, because I'm reading it, and it says Grace Kelly. Yes, it's Grace Kelly, historically. And I'm not going to, like, she's not, she's a little bit cooler than the Kardashians. Well, what you're looking at, I'm explaining, there's the bag, and then there's why everybody knows Absolutely. the bag. And the bag itself is called a Kelly bag. It comes from a company in France called Hermes. And this bag was one of their traditional styles that they offered probably from the turn of the century. I mean, it went way, way back. In any case, this bag was one that was favored by Grace Kelly, and it came into public view when she was expecting and she was hiding her pregnant stomach behind this big bag. So when the paparazzi were taking pictures, she would hold her bag up to shield her stomach so people couldn't see her baby bump. Yeah. I think that's why Kim Kardashian liked it, but for the for her butt, maybe, no. right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a fashion guy, maybe. but I'm <laughs> This is a naive question. That better get deleted from the episode. <laughs> this is a naive question, but I would imagine then that there are designers who are trying to give bags to Kim Kardashian oh, so yeah. that she'll put them on her butt. You right? got it. Yeah. You got it. So the reason that everybody knows the Kelly bag, the Birkin bag, that's because shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, these women, they're status symbols, and they carry them. And in their world, you know, in Hollywood, the idea of a handbag collection means that someone like Kim Kardashian probably has 200 of that bag in different materials and colors. And to her, that's a collection. And that's legitimate. That is a collection. Yep. But my collection differs from that in that that is not what interests me. What interests me is something that I call the democratization of fashion, which means at one level, the very highest level, people like Kim Kardashian buy these bags and they cost as much as a car. Some of them cost as much as a house. I mean, there's a bag that went for a million dollars. You know, it's quite a house. Do they use those? Probably no, not. I would In fact, the man that bought the million dollar bag is somebody who is a, a very famous bookmaker in Las Vegas. And he bought the bag simply so he would get the press. 
Yeah. So okay. it was worth a million bucks to him to get all the exposure and press. So he he bought that bag. Yeah, a million dollars for a, a, a bag. Wow. Yeah. Um, they call that fu money. That's not that's not mad money. That's for sure. Yeah, that's way beyond. So with, t talking about your collection, right? So obviously you're, you you have a passion for collecting purses. Um, why was it what what why was it purses? That's because fashion is is a oh, wide range of things. Did, did you ever collect like shoes and then sell on purses? But was it because of the the uh, um, what you said before? Well, because yeah. of your money? Yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. Did you just say purses are my thing for for the reasons that you've explained? Have you ever looked at anything else? Okay. Like, if you notice the way that I'm dressed, and obviously your listeners can't see that, I'm wearing a little black dress. I invariably am dressed in a little black dress or a little black tunic and leggings or some version of little black whatever. And the reason I dress that way, it's kind of formulaic. I want the clothes to be the backdrop to my accessories. Mm -hmm. So if you look at what I'm wearing, I'm wearing big bulky bracelets, I'm wearing a bunch of handbag necklaces, <laughs> I was carrying a really cute bag before. So to me, the black clothing kind of disappears, it creates a backdrop for the accessories. And why handbags? Um, handbags are really kind of cool in that you can be a woman of any size. You can be the skinniest person on the planet. You can be, you know, a supermodel. You can be somebody large. You can be somebody immense. Everybody gets to carry the hot bag because you, it, there are no sizes. Mm -hmm. So wow. it's painless. And therefore, if you see something you love, you don't have to concern yourself with, oh, will it look good on me? Will it fit? Will it be comfortable? None of those questions come into play. Yeah. And with your collection, you you have a lot, right? I have a lot. You have a lot. And the, Do you want to have any a lot? Is there like an act? Is there a finalized no. amount? If you say 3,000, is there like... It's 3,000 and counting, but the a lot is recently we had an industry expert come and look at the collection and came to my house and saw what I had. And she said, Eileen, do you know what you have here? And a I lot said, of person. Yeah, I said, I think I do, but give me your professional opinion. And she said, what we are looking at here is the largest privately held collection of handbags in the world. That's insane. Okay, now I'll tell you how insane it is. Everybody, think of Imelda Marcos. What does that say to you? When I say shoes. Imelda Marcos. Okay, there you go. Shoes. Okay, so Imelda Marcos was known for this immense collection of shoes. Imelda Marcos had 1,500 pairs of shoes. So by contrast, I have way out Imelda Imelda. <laughs> yeah. When you started, I mean, was it was it originally like that's three thousand shoes individually? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's no right in that purse. So, <laughs> so when you started out, like, what is what would be um, what was the process? Three thousand, no matter how you do the math, is is a lot over you know days. You know, yeah. Like, yes. However, X may predict. So how did you? maybe like start that out. What is the process of acquiring some of these? I'm sure some of them are difficult and some of them are just, you can find maybe anywhere, I don't know. Yeah. You ever okay. see somebody just kind of want to take it from him? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> take that as a yes. Did you see my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> so, no. This came story. about. <laughs> you want to hear this story? <laughs> um, the way that this came about was originally, as I may have mentioned way back, I was collecting things that I wanted to wear, things that I enjoyed, things that looked great with my outfit. And I began to read up on it and read about fashion history and understood the bigger picture of handbags. And I realized that to me, they were more than just accessory items, they were cultural artifacts. They were works of art. They're mm -hmm. beautifully executed. In many cases, designers, artists, they're one of a kind in some cases, they're hand painted in some cases. And I realized that nobody oops, I realized that nobody was really collecting them, saving them, preserving them for the future. And I understood, you know, within my own head and heart that these were soon going to be lost. Mm -hmm. Because when people are done with their bags, what do they do with them? They throw them away, they donate them to, you know, whatever charity, second hand stores, etc. But eventually, when things go down the food chain, at a certain point, they just kind of get discarded and disappear. 
and I felt that I wanted to preserve this handbag history. And I thought it was important to collect them. It was a form of handbag rescue. Mm -hmm. And I was finding handbags that were beautiful and wonderful and iconic that people didn't recognize as such. For instance, I did a lot of study. There are a lot of fashion designers that were as big as the Michael Kors of today or the Ralph Lawrence of today. But if I was to name their names, you'd never heard of them mm -hmm. because they disappeared into the sands of time. But these were people that were tremendously prominent and these were people doing really important work, but they've been forgotten. So I felt that I wanted to resurrect their memory. I also wanted to preserve iconic bags that are significant. Additionally, you know, there are people that can afford to buy bags that cost the price of a car, but not everybody can. In fact, most people cannot. So the market offers alternatives. Designers do versions of hot styles, or there are knockoffs, things that come in perhaps from China and other places. And I felt it was important to, to tell all of these stories, not just the Kim Kardashian yeah. Birkin story, but all the bags that kind of flow from the Birkin. Okay. Because if I want a Birkin and I can't afford one, what opportunity do I have to rock right. that look? Let's just say, hypothetical here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's somebody out there with a girlfriend that wants a Louis Vuitton bag. Yes. Hypothetical. And they don't have and it's Louis coming, Vuitton money. And it's money. coming on Christmas time. Yeah, it's coming on Christmas time. And that person kind of didn't save enough money. They got a couple parking tickets, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just isn't very good with money in general. Poor friend isn't a real person. Is it somebody yeah. that might be TR? Yeah, I'm not going to name any names. Trust me. But the, the knockoff would be something if that person was a real person. That person would be interested in. Uh, what are the different? So you can you have bags here that are fake, and next yes. to like over there, yes. uh, there's real the real version next to the fake. What have you realized and noticed that are the main differences between those bags? Well, there are a lot of differences. Um, it also depends on the quality of the knockoff. The ones that you're referencing that are off on the side. That is a graffiti Balenciaga bag in two different sizes. And the real bag from Balenciaga costs $2,600. The fake bag sitting right to the side of it costs like $100. Can we take a break? Okay. You guys, all right, right over there. All right, this is it. You guys are closest. You know which bags we're talking about? Can you guys pick which ones are. Oh, which one's fake and which one's not? Yeah, give me a guess. Which fake, which one's real? Oh, look at that. <laughs> These are real on the left, yeah. is what you're saying. Is that correct? Final answer. Yeah. Eileen? No. Those are the fake ones. Yeah. Yeah. The real one's on the right. I believe so. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. We did, we did shuffle them yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the point still is it's hard yeah, to discern anyway. The fact yeah. of the matter is, if you look at those bags very closely, those are really good copies. Yeah. And I have trouble telling the difference, and I'm somebody that is expert in this. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are certain telling factors. If you were to look at them up close, the stitching is not as perfect in the copy. Mm -hmm. In many cases, the hardware is not accurate, although in these, the hardware is virtually identical. And it's like the placement on the bags, like where the stitching is and where the different sections of the bag are connected. On one bag, they're much more even and precise than the other one. They might be too high or too low. But if I was carrying that bag on the street, nobody would know. Good, good noted, to know. Noted. Uh, so, well, there's some like, that little in my back pocket there. <laughs> no. But yeah, how do you, you're, coll you're collecting bags, you know, and you just told. I'm not advocating that everyone runs out and buys a copy. That really right, right. isn't yeah. my, my, you know. Right, direction. no, no, no. However, but what I am saying is that people will buy copies and mm -hmm. copies are available. And copies are available in lots of different ways. Like Michael Kors might say, oh, I love that Birkin bag, but my customer's not gonna pay $30,000. Right. They'll pay 300. Mm -hmm. Let me do a bag that looks kinda almost like a Birkin bag. Yeah. So if you were to go over to the outlets over at uh, the uh, casino and there's a Michael Kors store there, they're gonna have lots of bags that you know are quilted like a Chanel or satchel shaped like you know a Birkin, but it's not a Birkin, but it's got 
basically the same size, shape, feel, so somebody that's got $300 to spend can have that look. Yeah. So as you're going along, when did you get, there had to be a point when you said, wow, I have a lot of purses. I think every morning you probably wake up and have a lot of purses. I think everybody collects something to, like I have comic books, I probably have a couple hundred. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I have a thousand, maybe. But like when you got to your thousandth purse, were you like, are they in the purse room at your house? And you're just like, well, here's another one. Like, well, this collection has evolved in purpose, shall we say, over time. And originally it was for me and for me to wear. And then as I began to realize that I was collecting things for posterity, my initial plan was I'm going to collect these things and create a museum exhibition that can be displayed that people... Here we are. And here we are. <laughs> Dream come true. But truth be told, this is only part of the plan. The plan was for a museum exhibition, which we have right here. And the additional part of the plan was that this museum exhibition would travel to other cities, other museums, other places, so we could share this story with an audience well beyond right here in the Lehigh Valley. And I think that like the, the really interesting thing for me, my favorite one is around the corner, it's like the McDonald's back. And or, or like this one, which is, you know, this is essentially, this is a work of art. It is. It, and I think one the one... Find, that bag was made by a man named O.E.L. Braves in the 1940s, and it was made in Palm Springs, California, and he made these bags one of a kind specifically for women, and, spe you know, individual women. And when you open the top of that bag, there's a note inscribed from him to her saying that he made this bag for her. Wow. You would, you, would you wear this out? Would you take this out ever? All day long. You would? Yeah, I'd love it. See, I thought you'd be like, absolutely not. Are there any purses, are there any purses you wouldn't rock out? Um, probably very few. Uh, and the only reason that makes me I awesome. wouldn't, like, the only reason I don't wear a good number of these, number one, a lot of them are antique, a delicate. lot of them are delicate, they're fragile, you know, they're 100 years old, they're 50 years old, they're 70 years old. You don't want to go knocking a bag like that around. And additionally, some of them are so special and valuable, I would be fearful of damaging it. What if I bump it into something? What if, or what if somebody else is it? Yeah. You know, somebody, oh, did you just read that story about the woman who brought an Hermes bag to a country club and a waiter dumped a glass of wine yes. on her? And there's like this major lawsuit going on because she said, it's a $10,000 bag. Maybe you shouldn't have brought it. And what they were saying, maybe you shouldn't have brought it to dinner if it's $10,000. So. It's like when you have like your Tesla. Not your Tesla, I don't have a Tesla. Eight Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there was one outside here. From, but yeah, it's like, you know, yeah. try not to park it next to I have a, your car. I have a backpack. I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very connected to my... Bag. My mom gave it to me. It's she a man bag. It's a man bag. Yeah, her work gave it to her for free. But yeah, if somebody dumped something on that, I would probably try to drink it, whatever was in it. But uh, I, I get what you mean. I do have to admit, though, and, and my wife can attest to this, I enjoy... It's the same thing. Like, I get these little uh, man bags. They're like satchels and whatnot, and I get uh, crap from my friends. Yeah, she'll make fun of me one. But like, but I just like I enjoy them. There are I didn't think about it until you started talking about it. I guess I get those because I'm trying to be fashionable. You're not trying to be. Fa I don't know. Like they're they're interesting George, to me. It's like instead of just getting a backpack. If you're trying to be fashionable, you need to hang out yeah, there a little bit longer. You're failing bad. <laughs> You're having a rough time. All right. So, you, what is what is your selection process? How do you go out and find things to add to this? Do you have like do you, you have people who go out and do it? It's all me. That's awesome. Like, oh, well, it's all me. Uh oh. I think we heard. Do you need some water, sir? <laughs> do, you, do you go out for? Is she like, hey, I need you to go. Uh, I saw this purse somewhere. Have you ever done that? He's oh, we, like we, my we, Indian well, guy. Usually. Yes. <laughs> my Indian guide. We were always antiquing, shopping, looking, thrifting, God knows what. Where, where is like the, the most wild? Well, where's like a place that you would, no one would expect that you have found like a gem? 
Have there been any? At thrift stores. What? I, Tell me that. Let's go. I have found, <laughs> I found two Hermes bags. Really? In a thrift store. And I even know what and that is. And I paid $35 each. And how much do you think that they were around? Like, At the time, probably $5,000 each. Oh my god. Yay! Yeah, my wife's like, we're going thrifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better than the S&P 500 right there. You stumble on things that people don't know. I was on eBay. Okay, one of my favorite designers of bags is a woman long gone named Anne-Marie of Paris. She worked in the Hotel Maurice, had a little shop, and designed and, had, and sold purses out of her shop. And they were what today might be called surreal. In other words, they're figural. They look like objects. So right. if you look at that group of purses over there, there are purses that look like telephones, or yeah. purses that look like cocktail bars, or purses that look like champagne bottles in a nice chicken. Yes. Or chickens, but that's not hers. But that's not hers. But these bags are very prized by collectors. They're very expensive, they're very fragile, they're very rare. They're so rare that someplace like the Metropolitan Museum of Art has two. Wow. Okay? At this point, drumroll, I have 24. So how do you get 24 of these things? The way I got 24 is I am constantly looking. I'm scouring the internet. I'm shopping. But this is not something I expect to encounter in a thrift store. Although, although, Ray and I were out together. We got to Ray Starner over there, the man that was clearing his throat. (laughs) Ray and I were antiquing at the antique show at the Allentown at Hall. And everybody knows that show. And we were walking up and down the aisles, not expecting to find any bags that were great. And lo and behold, there was a glass case in somebody's booth, and I stopped and I kind of sucked air because I couldn't believe my eyes. And he said, what are you looking at? And I said, those two purses, those are Anne Marie's, they're amazing. And he said, what purses? There aren't any purses. They weren't talking about. And I said, that telephone and that radio are purses. And they're purses I have been looking for. No way, right here. Right here in Allentown at Ad Hall. Have you ever gotten anything at uh, Qmart? <laughs> a parrot, maybe. Just a live parrot. So you like, 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 get a sword and like, yeah. some beef. Yeah, and, like an alligator. Like, just a live alligator. Um, what about the garbage? Have you garbage picked? That's a good question. Yeah, there we go. I'm not dumpster dive. I'm not above doing that. I just. Let me do that. Yeah. <laughs> I hoist him up into the dumpster. What, are, like, what is one that, I mean, not even talking about um, value, but what is maybe one that is the most rare that you have? That is like one of the. I mean, I guess you were talking about some of these that are one of the kind. Yeah, I to me there are two designers that I personally find the most rare and special, and that is the Anne Marie of Paris and the O E L Graves, who I didn't even know about until a couple months ago. I stumbled upon him quite by accident because this is a man that's long dead. He died in the seventies. And he had very, very limited output because he was making them one of a kind and he was making them for Hollywood celebrities' wives and studio heads' wives and he made them for the Hearsts and he made them for, um, oh, I'm trying to think, uh, people that owned department stores at the time. So mm-hmm. He was not in big production. And, and they're like, when they're going, they're, you know, they're going to these famous people's homes. Yeah, you know, and, and these very... people have them, and maybe they pass them down sure. to their family. They never hit the market. I was scrolling around on eBay one night looking for a particular bag that was pink lucite, which is a type of clear plastic. And I was scrolling around looking for this pink lucite bag that I had seen. And lo and behold, I stumble on a bag the likes of which I'd never seen before. And it was much like the one that you were pointing at, except this one was pink and white. It's, excuse me. It's actually in a case around the corner. And I just saw this purse that looked like it was made, you know, with berries, you know, or, you know, other worldly beings. It looked like spun sugar, I mean, with little jewels all over them. And it just looked like some sort of you know, a sugar confection as opposed to a purse. And it had a very reasonable price on it, so I bought it on eBay. And when it arrived, 
I was totally enchanted because I've never seen a purse like it in my life. It's very sturdy. It's made out of a form of plastic that he devised, huh. and the whole technology of it is lost. Nobody really? knows how that plastic was made. But I think it's so amazing is that my, myself, we could walk into a thrift store and whatever, like, oh, that looks neat. But you have to have the experience in order to be able to, you know, have the eye to know what something well, I do, but on the other hand, that doesn't discount you walking in and seeing something cool. Right, exactly. Because like a lot it. of it comes down to what appeals to you, what's good looking. And that's different for all different people, but it's all valid. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I go into thrift stores and I find things, and I'm sure that 99% of my friends would look at it and say, it points, <laughs> you know, to wear something that somebody else used and gave it away. But to me, it's special because it's got some age to it, it's got perhaps was done by a designer that's no longer known or respected, uh -huh. but that doesn't preclude you walking in and looking at that same item and saying, gee, that's really cool looking. And, you know, so you wouldn't be bringing to the table the same skill set, but you can still, you have eyes in your head, and you say, hey, that's great. But that, that you, how, you've been collecting these bags for how long? Uh, I don't want to go and give away, but no, a long time. A long time. <laughs> so the internet wasn't around for okay. the whole time. Jeez, exactly. How has the search for these bags changed with the internet? Has it made it easier? Has it made it harder? Has has it has there been more people looking too? More people yeah. looking, more opportunities for fake bags and more like how has it changed with the uh introduction much of, all of the above and I'll explore all those points. Number one, it made it a lot easier and it kind of leveled the playing field. Now, in my real life, when I'm not collecting bags like this, what do I do for a living? I write books. And in a time before the internet, when you wrote a book, you had to go to the library, you had to go out and beat the pavement to do research. The library is a place. Yeah, I remember what those are? Kind of books. I did. You remember before? Yeah, right. Pads and Kindles. Right. But, um, so, but with the advent of the internet, I could research a book at home in my pajamas. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have to leave, I have to go out. So pretty much I applied that skill set that I had developed researching books and applied them to looking for handbags. Okay. So knowing which designers I favored, having done a lot of research on you know, what types of bags I wanted to put into the collection, I had a target list. Mm. And I scroll around and I Google or I go on eBay or I go on lots of other websites and I searched for particular bags. And it made it a lot easier, but as you said, there's so many more people on there, there's competition. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of competition. And you mentioned the idea of knockoffs. Well, a bag from like the 1930s or 40s, no one's knocking that mm -hmm. stuff off. So that stuff is pretty much, you know, what you see is what you get. But in the case of a lot of these designers, you have to know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. And I would not be confident going to some place like eBay without any authentication and purchasing a major <coughs> designer bag for big money because that is so easily knocked off as evidenced by those you know, right. bags in that case over there. Yeah. So if I was going to buy a real designer bag, number one, I would suggest if you want to make sure it's authentic, if you're willing to pay retail, go to the source, go mm -hmm. to the store that makes it. But if you're not willing to pay retail, in today's marketplace, there are lots of different places that have risen up to make it easy to acquire a second-hand designer bag that's been authenticated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's companies that, oh, I don't know, like Rebag, and now eBay does have an authentication service that people pay extra for. And uh, there's just a lot of companies that provide a secondary market. So it's a company called TradeZ, Vestiare, there's a lot of them on the internet. And if you go to these companies, they have people on staff that authenticate them, look at them, examine them, and then offer them as real. You mentioned uh, a target list. Do you have a white whale that you haven't gotten yet? Well, actually, I, I, I snagged that whale a couple of days ago. Whoa! Whoa. Damn, news! And That's you like excitement. Here I am. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Yeah. You, we should have had him on. Yeah. No, actually, he's saving us. He's yeah. all yeah. That's our job. He's good. Thank God he's here. We'd be super. We'd be floating here. So yeah. tell us about yeah. What what was it and what well, was it? It's interesting that you called it a white whale because this bag. Is it a white whale? Because that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd have left. Merry Christmas, Anna. But it's real close. It's a ship. It's a bag shaped like pretty close. Ship. Yeah. So I mean, like white whale ship. Yeah. Well, is it like a like a like a a steel ship, like a modern ship, or like? No, a... it was a ship called the Normandy, and it was a French ship that now I'm going to mess up on my dates, but you know I want to think maybe in the 40s, 50s. Okay. This boat came into commission probably in the 40s, and maybe even 30s. But it came into commission, and when this boat went on its maiden voyage, this Normandy spelled N-O-R-M-A-N-D-I-E, and it was a French boat, and when this came into commission, they had this special clutch purse designed to look like the ship. And the clutch purse was in all of the first class cabins. So if a couple was on this maiden voyage, the wife was gifted with one of and these. And was that the only purses. place they ever That's the only had. place ever, ever. So how many are so there? I do not know. I would have to do some research and yeah. find a count. But what I can tell you is I've seen them in museums, I've seen them in books. In all of my years of looking, I never saw one come up for sale. It's like the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you see something like that. <laughs> yes. where, where did you see it? It was online? Uh, it was on an auction. I was looking for something else. I was looking for an Anne Marie bag. And actually, it, it's much the same story. I was scrolling around on the internet. I did a Google search, as I do from time to time. And I saw a picture of an Anne Marie bag that I don't own. And I said, wow, but then it was like four pages into the Google search. So my assumption is if it's that deep into the search, it's probably old news. It's probably a picture of a bag that sold 10 years ago at an auction. But I was curious, so I opened it up. I wanted to know what the bag went for when they sold it. And when I opened it up, the auction was in four days. So I clicked on the auction catalog, and that's when I had the <gasps> moment. Because not only were there four Anne Marie bags that I don't have in my collection, but additionally there was your proverbial white whale, the Normandy. It was a, was that an individual like person seller? Or, it, or was it was very fortunate. Apparently, I didn't know these people. I'm going to look into possibly connecting with them in some way. But it's a couple from New York who, oddly enough, collect handbags and a lot of the same things and brands that I do. And they're an older couple, and I guess they're looking to downsize and divest. They put a big chunk of their collection up at this auction house in Boston. And I had a laundry list that went on, you know, 15, 20 items that I could have easily wanted, you know, to acquire. But what I did was I left larger bids on the ones that, you know, like the Normandy and one or two of the Anne Marie's that were really special. Because in, in the case of a bag like an Amory, yes, they're out there, but very rarely, very small quantities, very hard to come by. And it isn't like, you know, if I say to myself, oh, that's too expensive, I'm going to let this one go, the next one will come up. You may never have the mm -hmm. next one. You may never see that bag again. So you're, you're not stopping. Stretch well, I hit the pause button, but when I saw that <laughs> auction... <laughs> 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 you, are you okay? I got you. can give me some medicine. I don't know if you have uh, like maybe a Dayquil thing for the women. I don't know what the kids take anymore for them. <laughs> um, no, so you're, I mean, what, what is, when, when somebody, like even for myself, again, somebody who isn't knows nothing about purses. I can You know a little bit. Well now yeah. I know more about yeah. But I can appreciate the history. Like I talked about the McDonald's one. That was the one that really because I saw it I'm like, well okay, this is when I was coming in I thought, okay, we're looking at purses, you know, like I would think of a purse. So when I first saw that I'm like, I get it. These are more, you know, snippets of history and things yes. that you can't find They're anymore. Pop culture. Is that what you like? Want people to? I mean, they can get out of it whatever they want. Exactly. But what do you look like? That is one of the messages, and really, what I can use this as a point of illustration. When we talk about a purse exhibition, 
I'm sure that every woman who loves purses is, oh wow, I can't wait to go, and then her husband's eyes are glazing over, saying, oh shit, I've got to take one for this. <laughs> so, in any case, when gentlemen have accompanied their girlfriends and wives to this exhibition, I kind of like sidle up to them and listen to what's going on, and very often they come in here kind of resistant and against their will, but after a couple of minutes, it's like, wow, this stuff is really cool. Well, it's like looking at anything in a museum that just happened. I think when people, I don't think, like, when I heard purse, you know, I have like a predisposition because I'm a guy, you know, my relationship with purses is my wife has big ones, you know, purses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is I know what they are, but you know when you come in and see it, you get like there's a Hess's one over there, and I don't know the story behind that. But to see that there are people who anything Hess's related, or and, and that's just one example. There's other stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else. You're not going to let that one. Be. That's funny. <laughs> so, I don't know. You can go ahead. Well, I, I'm not like that's the rest when, of my. When he appreciates composure, <laughs> no, like that's my point. I think that people, especially men, or maybe some of you that are into persons, when they first hear about what the collection is, you know, I think they might not fully understand of what we're looking at. Yeah. Well, here's a simple example. You two, as best as I can you're both guys. And the fact is, we're sitting here for 45 minutes to an hour right. talking about purses. Sure. Right. And therefore, this is not typically what you might have wanted to come out to see. But on the Thank other hand, now... Well, no, we are, we are. I'll tell you what, the first time that we came and Alicia was like, hey, come out and visit and check it out. What did I do? I sent, I'm like, you have to. I just sent it to my wife. Like, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm looking at really, but I know that it's really interesting. You know? Yeah. And that's the reaction I want to have. I want people to come here with an open mind and expect to see things that they've never seen before, expect to be intrigued and enchanted by stuff they never expected to like. And, you know, to me, that's part of the process. I spoke to an eighth grade class on a career day recently. A friend of mine is the head of school of a private school. And on Fridays, they have people from the community talk about their career, and these kids get to ask them questions. And at the beginning of this, I was losing them. They were looking out the window. They were looking at passing sure. traffic. And I was talking about my career. And then I said, you know what? Let me take a left turn here. And I began to talk about the purse collection. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the heads that were looking out the window moved forward again. And suddenly, a bunch of eighth grade boys were waving madly to ask questions. More so than the girls. I was totally surprised. And these little boys had really great, smart questions. So it was a big surprise to me. You know what? I, I, unless you have another question, I was going to say, it's a good time if there are. Yeah, there, well, let's do that. Let's open up. Uh, and if not, we'll make floor. them up. Yeah. No, wait, Becker, hey, you have Becker. a question. I have a question. Have you ever traded a bag to get other bags? Totally. He asked, have you ever traded a bag to get another bag for bag? If, you, it was, if there was an instance. Like a swap meet? Yeah, if you had like three bags that were worth. It's like trade baseball. You're like, I'll give you two of these yeah. uh, Anne Marie's for whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not as specifically as you're saying, because it's not that kind of marketplace. It's not like I'm face to face with other collectors who have these bags. But what I have done and what I do is very often in the case of something like an Anne Marie bag, because they are so rare, when you see one, you buy it. And you buy it regardless of quality. You know, it could have some damage, it could have a missing part. You're willing to kind of overlook that to have that bag in your collection. And what I've done on a couple of occasions is when I've seen a better example, I've bought another one to have the better <laughs> one with the plan to sell the yeah. one that is lesser. Well, because yeah. there is a market for that. There are other collectors that are looking for these bags. How well do you know your Amazon Prime and eBay, UPS and FedEx? Delivery people in your neighborhood. Are you on like a do you give my Christmas well, gift? I hope so. When you buy if you bought a purse like that on eBay that let's just say it's multiple thousands of dollars, like do you ever get nervous when it's in transport? 
I mean, I'm sure that there's insurance that they, you can buy and all insurance. sorts of stuff, but you want to get the perks. Exactly. And sad to say, because it's that time of year, it's Christmas time, when I lived in another place before living where I am now, I lived in a neighborhood. And, you know, my house was right on a block. And around Christmas time, I had ordered some very special purses. And when I came home that evening, nothing on my porch. Oh, no. So, yeah. So I, I've had things taken. And they were gone? They were, they were yeah. gone. They were gone. But, um, I, you know, recently, no. I've had knock no on wood. Had, knock, knock on wood. And are there any other? That? Yes. Do you have... No. A matching outfit for each person. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think you, came, you guys came in a little bit like she, you, you talked about her. My outfit is I typically wear just a plain black dress or a plain black tunic or pants or whatever because I want the clothes to drop away and I want the purse and the accessories to take front. You gotta start stage. putting that much like thought into things. I feel like I've been nailing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been going, I've been dressing kind of uh, She talked about you, uh, she had Maybe I gotta start carrying purses. Did you, actually, <laughs> did you do a career day? Were you, didn't you go to Liberty High School recently? How did that go? <laughs> they didn't have as many questions for me, okay? They, they, they weren't you never told me. You're like, I'm going to Liberty High School to do a career day, and then I didn't hear anything else. Maybe that's why. <laughs> they, <laughs> no, no, they thought I was a student. <laughs> they, 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 they gave me a C minus. What time, like, how many times have you done this senior year? Um, Is there any other questions? website where you post your new findings to share with people that we can follow and perhaps if we see an older bag that you buy it you'll tell her she's right oh like a suggestion she'll swoop in just take a picture of it i have no need for pocketbooks but i go to thrift stores all the time and i have no idea what i'm looking at but if i see something that's unique and beautiful and me yeah, I'll we're, send you a picture. Is well, there a website? I, I have Instagram and I have a Facebook, and the, the museum has a presence online. There is something for the show personality, mm -hmm. so you can reach out to the museum as well. You know, through Historic Bethlehem. And, and is that there are a lot of ways to do it? And you talk about you, this is here now, and, yes. and it'll be here till through January. No, April. Through April. April. So good. Lots of time. Not only is it here at the camera. It's also at the Moravian Museum around the corner. Okay. And it's also at America on Wheels in Allentown. I mean, I guess it's a good thing if you have 3,000. Yeah. Because then you can be like, I'll put 1,000 here. Well, you're like, I need to clear out some rooms. I need to call another museum to get closets. You see museums. So you say museum. Stop saying Museum. That. How do you say museum? It's museum. Museum. No, no one's ever said museum. I have someone that says it does Are they college educated? <laughs> Okay, great. All right. Advanced degree. All right. All right. So, Louisiana. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that says it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you saying? We got, we got all more than the purses. Go ahead. At any point in time, did you ever feel like, oh my God, like, I had too many bags, or is there like no? No, no such thing. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Let me ask, is that your girlfriend? Yeah. Does she ever yeah. feel like this? <laughs> 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 I'm going to make her look really good. So I've got 3,000 handbags. So every time she wants a new handbag, she's going to say, but that lady is 3,000. Here, put the phone up, Ted, or the microphone. Oh, can you hear it? What are we doing? Listen. Yeah, museum. Not, Jeez, museum. I don't say it in a sultry voice like that either. <laughs> Does anybody else have a question? Any other questions? I have one. Oh. Um, do people seek you out to try to sell their purses to you? Yeah, because at this point you have to be, like, you're a nick. Are you like, I no, mean, I have like seven of those already? Yeah. <laughs> well, truth be told, up until I had this exhibition, I was doing this myself. My friends knew, a handful of people knew, but it wasn't public information. And that all changed with the advent of this exhibition. And this exhibition is just like a starting point for a much bigger plan. And the plan includes a traveling exhibition. We're in conversation with some museums for it to move on to other places when we're done here. And additionally, the grand plan is for all of these bags not to come back and live in my house, because that was never the intention. The plan is for all of these bags to move to either an existing museum or to create a new museum to house them. 
like argument's sake, the American Handbag Museum. Mm -hmm. So could there heard is, it here first. Yeah, heard yeah. it here first. So there is no American Handbag Museum. There are only two handbag well, you museums. So there are only two handbag museums in the world, one in Amsterdam and one in Seoul, South Korea. So there's no there isn't one here. Have you been? We should have one. To the one in Seoul, yes, yeah. not Amsterdam yet. That's on the boards. Okay, cool. But so the point being, did people know about me? No. However, when we had this exhibition, we've been getting a lot of really good press and exposure. In fact, there was a story that ran in the Philadelphia yep. Inquirer. And we understood from the reporter who was in communication with us that she was planning for the story to be in the Sunday paper at the front of the style section. Well, I was overjoyed beyond words because front of the style section, wow. Here I am. And we pick up the paper at the Philadelphia Inquirer on Sunday and right below the fold, on the front page of the paper, is a story about this collection being Wow. Written. And that's how you yeah. So with the advent of that story, it went into the AP, it went viral, it's all over the place. I mean, it was on the business page of the Miami Herald. It's been in lots of newspapers all over. And with that happening, people have reached out to me. And we have a very interesting story here at the museum. From the story in the Philadelphia Inquirer, I got a note from someone on Facebook, a message. And she said, you don't know me, but I read that story about you. And sadly, my sister passed away, and our family is heartbroken. And my sister carried a designer purse that she designed with you know, a New York designer created a purse for her. And it was one of a kind, and she carried it every day. And this purse to us represented jewelry. Wow. And she said, I'm vegan, and I'm keeping that purse in my closet because I don't wear leather. But when I read your story, do you want the purse for your exhibition? Because you're sharing her story. And well. exactly. So we made arrangements. I sent her money to FedEx it overnight because this exhibition was opening the next morning. So I called up uh, Lindsay and said, we need to create a vitrine, you know, a, a plexiglass box to house this purse. And I explained the story. And when the purse came, it's here in the exhibit. Wow. Awesome. And literally, this woman drove from hours away to come see her sister's purse in the museum. And I don't know if you believe in this woo-woo kind of stuff. Either way, it makes you feel... When, when I talk about this purse to people in front of it, and even right now, my hair stands up. Yeah. That's arguably the most yeah. rare purse in the collection. Yeah. I mean, well, in a sense, because, you know, it was a one-of-a-kind for this woman. Yeah. And, you know, she's gone, and the purse and her story live on. Wow. Well... I, there's so much more, obviously, we could talk, and I, I see we're going to hang out a little bit. So if there are people, if you want to talk or, or learn some more of the about some of the purses, does anybody else have any final questions before we? Yeah. yeah. Do you still have the first bag? That that's that was that's a great one. <laughs> that's a really great question, yes. and sadly, I do I don't have that red bag. But with the advent of the internet, I scrolled it down there? and I found one very close to it. And it's in a case, but what I do have is the first bag I bought with my own money. Mm. So that is in the same case. I call that the ground zero. And that's here? Right here. Take a look I call right it the ground zero of the exhibition. Well, we want to thank you. Seriously, yeah, wait, it's another one. But you know, talk for a minute about the telephone purse that actually makes phone calls. Yeah. yeah. The telephone purse that makes phone calls. Well, that was invented because the iPhone wasn't out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we have 40 years to kill this. It's hard to Instagram on it, but it's, it'll be fine. There is a purse, and actually we have two examples of it here in the exhibition, by a company called Dallas Purses. Uh -huh. And it is a sort of touch-tone phone, and the handle is a phone receiver, and inside there is a cord that could conceivably plug into a wall, so if your house is still wired that way for a landline, you can plug this phone into your wall <laughs> and really use it. <laughs> That's crazy. Is there a bill on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Buy your phone bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you Robin? Well, what's the Wi-Fi password? There are any other questions you can you can talk to her. Obviously, afterwards. I want to thank the Kemmer Museum. Yeah. So much for having us here. We made it to 100 episodes. Real quick, one thing we're going to have to have. Yeah. Yeah. There is. So we were talking. There's a.
we're Bethlehem, Historic Bethlehem is up for a, uh, a world recognition award, right? Is that something that can be voted on? It's cold nowadays. No, they're going to see it. <laughs> Only in America, right? Uh, <laughs> you can't vote on that. <laughs> it's called World Heritage Site. World Heritage Site. And it's with UNESCO. So okay. it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So they are in the pipeline for this designation with UNESCO. And one of the reasons we're doing this exhibition here is that when you typically think of historic Bethlehem, mm -hmm. you think of this time of year, you think of trees and wreaths and you think of Moravians and you think of churches and people in long dresses and all of that. And we wanted to show the world that Bethlehem transcends that you know, stereotypical imagery. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's all very important, and yes, that's very evident here, but this is a thriving and vibrant area, and new things and exciting things and things of world consequence happen here. Right. So that's why this exhibit. Yeah, well, we want to thank you. Well, thank you guys for taking part. In that thank you for sitting here and being a part. Seriously, thank you for coming out. Let's give Eileen a big round of applause for coming out here and and one more time for the camera. You definitely have it. Oh, thank you very much. And I don't know. I, it's great. This is much better. Like, thank you. Yeah, of course. This is much better. We usually record in uh, our attic. And your attic. Uh, we don't live together. But um, so yeah, thank you everybody who's allowed us to make it this far for actually like listening. And we do have one announcement. Um, we will be moving our television show to Service Electric yeah. starting next year, and we will be doing it weekly. So, yeah. and it's an hour long. I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's so much of a warning or an <laughs> announcement, so if you have Service Electric and you don't want to see our faces, get we will also be posting the episodes online, but online, we want yeah. you to watch them on Service Electric first. So thank you guys, everybody, for coming out. Thank you very much. Have a great night. And, uh, That was a hoot. That was a hoot. See, you don't have the same dance.